You know, God is this awesome. You know, I, I believe that uh, we are his workers. Do you agree with that? And, and I believe that we are here because we want to be, but we are also here out of duty. Do you believe that? I mean, it was like he has given us so much, and this is just part of, many way, of one of many ways that we just give back to him. We're here to worship him, to honor him. And, and this, this is like a training, you know, like a training course, seminar, whatever you want to call it. But this is one of the places that we are filled up. We get empowered by his spirit, by his word. We are instructed by his word. And this is kind of like our training meeting. Do you agree with that? I love, these kids just fill my heart. I mean, they really do. I just love that our church has so many little ones. I, I love that Easton was up here today. He did really well. That last song was a little tough. But he just did really well. And, and it fills me up to think that this is part of what we do here is we are being trained as adults. I don't care if we're 80, 90, or what. We're still being trained. We're still in, being encouraged and, and just, you know, being inspired. But part of also what we're doing here is to raise these little ones up so that one day they're, like, leading us in music and they're doing the communion meditations. In fact, that's what we're already doing. We're already passing the baton. We're going to see that here in just a, a moment, and you're going to be reminded of some little guy that used to come up here with a, a suit and tie, uh, and uh, now he's coming up and leading us in communion. And I just love that. I, I love that that's part of what we do here, is, uh, you know, we are just his workmanship. I mean, like, he is creating in us and inspiring us. You know, during the Depression, there was a man by the name of Yates, and he lived down in West Texas. Um, it was a tough time, obviously. Uh, he had, like... He had, his hope was just really diminished. He had this sheep farm, and he was doing his very best to try to keep it above water, but it wasn't going well. You know, he wasn't able to make his interest payments and just, you know, the, these other payments, and he just slowly could see that this was not going to work out. He was going to be bankrupt before long. He didn't have everything that he had was going on, you know, payments of some sort, and and he didn't have enough, you know, to clothe his family well, to feed them well, and they were just going extremely hungry. It just so happened that one time, when he thought all hope was lost, right, a seismograph crew came out from an oil company, and they just wanted to investigate his land. They had taken some of those uh, uh, studies and those readings, and they thought that he might have some oil. And so he gave them permission to come. You know, he signed the paper and gave them permission to come and see if there was anything under. And it just so happened that at 1,115 feet, they struck a huge oil reserve. The first well came in at 80,000 barrels a day, if you can imagine. And... and, uh, there was just another well that was discovered, not you know, like, and it and it was like twice as much. Thirty years later, you know, they discovered and they tested the wells again, and they found out that it actually had the potential to, you know, flow out a hundred and twenty-five thousand barrels of oil a day. And Mr. Yates owned it all. This little place that he didn't even know that he would be able to survive, right? He didn't even, he, the whole time he was just worrying and worrying and stewing and thought that I can't even feed my family. And he had no idea what was under him, like what was within the place. All of that resource, all of that oil that was just there, and he owned it. He just didn't know it. And it just made me realize that, that there's like a miracle there, you know, like there was a miracle just laying there to be discovered, laying to be tapped into, you know, just if, and, and it just so happened that circumstances got to the place where he discovered that. And it also makes me realize as a preacher that there's so many lives out there that just don't know the power within them, right? If only they knew how to tap into that resource, that power, Sometimes we can, we can feel so depleted and so discouraged and so much like without power in our lives. 
And little do we know that there is power within. We just got to, we just got to tap into it. We, and, and when we do, it just brings out a whole new sense of hope and encouragement. You know, there's no reason why we should, we, meaning like those who are in Jesus Christ, should ever have their heads hanging low or ever be discouraged because we have like Jesus living in us, right? We have God living in us. Every circumstance that comes our way, we have to realize that we have the power to withstand this, to go through this, and not only to get through it like barely, but to realize that this is, this is nothing, you know, because of what he has in us. We should not be walking around like people who are living in poverty. It should not be us. You know, you know God is trying to convince us of the wealth that lives within us. And he gave us his presence. As we talked about like last week, you know, what is it that Jesus himself said? He says, you know what? I need to go away so that he can come. And it is better, remember what he said? It is better for you that I go away so that he can come. Like, like if, if it wasn't that Jesus said that, we wouldn't have believed it, right? I think we still have a hard time believing it, that there's something greater than Jesus' being here on this earth. And there is. It's, it's what's greater is that his presence can be anywhere and everywhere at the same time. Like, I have Jesus' spirit living in me. You have Jesus' spirit living in you. And, and that is just, I think, it is amazing. No doubt we read, you know, in the Bible, we read like the encounter. You remember the, the encounter where Jesus is in the boat with them, and the storm comes, and they are all in a panic, just like, you know, we're going to perish, and we, they just are you know, freaking out about everything around them. Like, but they had Jesus there, and there was no reason to. And, and they finally woke him up and said, do you not care? And Jesus, you know, wipes the, the sleep out of his eyes, and he's just like, oh, you have little faith, and he just calms everything. Or like the one he walks in on the water, you know, at night, and, he, and they are just terrified because they thought they saw a ghost, and here he is with this power. And we read those, and when Jesus says, like, oh, you have little faith, because we have read all the stories, we are just like, yeah, that is so true. I mean, they had nothing to worry about, right? I mean, because Jesus was there. They, why wouldn't they have known the power that was within their boat? Why would they ever think that they had to worry about anything if Jesus is, like, right there? I mean, he's the one who fed the 5,000 with a few fish and loaves. Did they forget that? I mean, did, did they not remember that this is the one that is healing the blame and the lame? And this is the one who is, you know, just doing, like, raising people from the dead and, like, you know, raising Lazarus. And I mean, did they forget the power Within this man, they've already saw a lot that went on that he could do this. He's the one who says, you know, to them, uh, do not worry about your life, what you eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Don't you know that your heavenly Father cares about you and he'll take care of you? Wouldn't it have been amazing to walk with Jesus? I mean, wouldn't it have been cool to sit with Jesus, to be able to just take your problems to Jesus? Wouldn't it have been really neat to just have, like, his presence in your life in the midst of all that goes on, for him to have, give you the wisdom and, and tell you about, like, how to handle these things, for him to just give you the confidence, like, you can handle this, you can get through this, I'm here with you. Wouldn't that have been cool? In church, it, do we not realize that he is here? Like, like he is, he's in your boat, your boat of life. That was my granddaughter over there, just, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> it wasn't Cole, I'm sure. So, <laughs> you can thank me later, Cole. Everybody, everybody was wondering, okay, how do we get back into this? In all of his glory, right? In all of his glory, he is like in us. And he's just like, he, he is not like, how do we say this? 
he's not a substitute for the real player. It's not like God took out the star player, right, uh, out of this world and said, you know, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bench you for a while. I'm going to retire you. You're going to go into heaven, and we'll send in the substitute. That's not what he did. That's why it's so important for Jesus to tell his disciples, somebody is coming, and, and he will do even greater things than I've done. There's somebody coming, and you need him even more than you need me. He, he didn't put in a substitute. He, he gave us equal power, but strung out among all of us. And that power is living within us now. And for us to really, really let that like sink in, you know, he's not like a substitute teacher that's coming and filling in for the real thing while they're on a trip. He is the real teacher living within us. And all you have to do is tap into his power. All you have to do is just let that power flow out of you, and you will see amazing things take place. How do you, how do you like tap into that power? You know, it's really not rocket science. I mean, seriously, this is, this is not really that difficult. I made a list, like just really quick, threw them up on here, just how to tap in that power. And one of them is like, go to church. But you know what? When you go to church, you've got to go to church. If you want to tap in the power, you don't just come and say, well, let's just see how this plays out and see if it's anything for me today. When you go to church, you have to go expecting to tap into the power of Jesus. You have to go seeking to tap into the power. You've got to seek Jesus when you're here at church. You've got to wake up in the morning, and on your way in, you're just preparing yourself for that encounter with Jesus. And when you're here, you've got to be praying, Lord, what do you got for me? What, what is it that I need to have for being here today? What is it that you want to, uh, me to see? You, you want me to understand? Lord, I want, and when you're singing, you're singing, you know, like you're trying to connect with this power when you're singing. If you come and you just go through the emotions, if you come just because I, my mom made me, you know, come, or my wife made me come, or I felt like I had to. I mean, you're not going to find the power that was within. But when you go to church and you are seeking him, I have no doubt that you will not leave empty. I think God shows up when we seek him. The Bible says he does. And we seek him, we will what? What does it say? We'll stumble into him. We might find him. No, it says when we seek him, we will find him. You know, the second thing here is is read your Bible. But you know what? You've got to read your Bible. You can't just be reading words mindlessly. You've got to be seeking. You've got to be like going to this word and like, Lord, teach me. Lord, help me understand. And this, this one that is living within you, Jesus, he is just like more than willing to oblige you in this, right? He wants you to understand what you are reading and understanding. And let me tell you something. When you have this attitude, you don't walk away from the Word of God and not be filled up. And not be filled, filled up with this power, with this understanding. This is, this is literally how the difference between people who never... Uh, have any power in their life, and people who are have this amazing, this radiate power out of their lives. It depends on how they go to the Word. When they go wanting to find something, when they go as seekers, God always shows up in their life. He begins to just fill them up. Have you read the Word like that? Or you are a seeker? You know, it's praying. <laughs> it is one thing just hollering out, Oh, Lord, help me you know, in the middle of something. But it is another thing when you are just, you are communicating with this power that is living within you. When you are communicating with Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit, and you are having a conversation with them, it is amazing. It is amazing the things that you will hear back from them. And the things that you will work out in your life, the, 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 the decisions that you 
find hard to decide all of a sudden will be clearer to you as you really pray to him. And this is really what I want to talk about mostly today, and that is being a witness. Like it is one of the ways to tap into the power of God is realizing that my job is to witness for God, to just speak on a, a good word on his behalf everywhere I go, to speak it with words, but also speak it with actions and with love, that I represent him when I go to school. I represent him when I go to work. I represent him around the dinner table. I represent him when, you know, when I'm at church. Everywhere I go, I'm a witness for him. Therefore, you know, everybody, I want everybody to be a part of what I found in Christ. You know, 1 John 2, 5 says, By this we may know that we are in him. And we already know, like last week, that he has this way of inverting these, you know, changing up these things. Like, we are in him, he is in us right? He always says, the Father is in me, and I am in him, and you are in me, and he's always saying these kinds of things. And what he's trying to help us understand is we are all one. When you are baptized into Christ Jesus, you, what does first, uh, Romans 6 say? We were united with him, and just as we were certainly united in his death, we will certainly also be united in his life. Therefore, we are, are walking in newness of life, it says, Right? And, and one of the, this verse here, it says, By this they, we may know that we are in him, he is in us. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And that's what we do. That's how you be a witness, right? As you just walk as he walks. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we looked at this last week, but he says, and remember we're, we're in Acts we're just trying to glean understanding as we look into this incredible book of how the church began and how all these followers came to be. But one of the first instructions Jesus gave them, he says, but you will receive power. When do we receive this power, Jesus? When the Holy Spirit comes on you, Right? We learn in Acts 2 that we, when we were baptized into Jesus Christ, we not only received the forgiveness of our sins there, right, but also we received what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and all to, and to the ends of the earth. I just want you to notice, like the text says, that there's... There's like a, a first and a second action, right? And the, and the first action isn't, uh, um, stay here until I want you to start being my witnesses. <laughs> no, the first action is stay here and wait until you receive power, right? You receive the Holy Spirit. Now when the Holy Spirit is within you, now go and be my witnesses. And it's really important because, I mean, they already had so many things to witness about, right? They just spent three years with Jesus seeing, you know, the, the lame, you know, healed and the blind receive sight and all of these miracles and all these things to witness about. But they weren't told to go witness right away. They were told to wait until the power comes and then go and witness. And there's a reason for that. They could have just went and witnessed, you know, about all the things that they had saw and did without receiving the Holy Spirit, but what they would have been missing is the power to actually accomplish anything when they do witness. Have you ever witnessed and just felt like your witness was empty, like it's not very powerful? (laughs) I think we all have. And one of the things we leave out of it, I think, is the Holy Spirit. I mean, like, if you want to change your witnessing game, pray that the Holy Spirit will give you the power to be his witness. Pray for that, oppor- that conversation you're going to have with your person at work or your, your son or daughter or, you know, anything. If you'll just pray that the Holy Spirit will empower you, just, just try it and then do it. 
and then to see if it doesn't feel different. It always feels different to me. It always does. And that's just what Jesus is getting at with the disciples. Wait until the Holy Spirit empowers you and now go be my witnesses and see if it doesn't change things. And they did. I'm convinced that part of our frustration in witnessing is is that we just don't see how pivotal the Holy Spirit is in this aspect. Like, he, he is what makes and breaks everything when it comes to our, our influence, our witness for him. Jesus said in the Bible, just as we already said it, and saw in John chapter 16, verse 7, it says, It is for your good that I may go away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, what is it? This, I want you to look at this. When he comes, what is it that he will do? He will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. Now, isn't that what you would want to be a part of your witnessing? Like for that power to happen? There's, there's a couple things here I want you to understand and see about this. One is that you still need, just like they needed, the Holy Spirit to empower them to, before they went and witnessed so that, the, so that it is that Holy Spirit that would do the miraculous and convict and change those hearts. And the first sermon, by the way, was pretty cool. Over 3,000 men were baptized, right? And they had this amazing power, but it wasn't like Peter and, and John and all them were doing these crazy, miraculous transformations of people's lives. It was just them being witnesses, and the Holy Spirit was transforming these lives. And it's the same way with us. One of the primary responsibilities of God's Spirit living in us is to convict those people that are around us. I went to a wedding yesterday, Zach Hershey's wedding, and when the best man got up to speak, which was Boone, um, he was just talking about when he was a kid, you know, and his encounter and how he got to know Zach and all of this. And the thing that really stuck out through all of that he said was just that, that Zach was the pivotal person that God put in his life to convict him of his sin because he wasn't a Christian when he and Zach first met. And he says, I, I, you know, I give a little credit to JB. I give even a little bit littler credit to to uh, um, uh, my brother-in-law, Jamie, over there. And, uh, but Zach was the guy. That, what's, what's really cool about that is if, if we are dependent upon me, we're going to have our time filling this building. If we are dependent upon the Holy Spirit living in us and working in us, then this isn't going to be that big of a chore. You see, it is the Holy Spirit that was living in Zach that was convicting Boone of his sin. He saw it through his friend. All Zach was doing was allowing the Holy Spirit to have power within him, and then he was just being a witness of that. And I just thought that was a cool Thing. Here's the thing is, is I just want you to see the, the job of the Holy Spirit. It's really important in, in our job, which is to be witnesses. The job of the Holy Spirit is to actually be the, the one with power. Our job is just to be witnesses. It's like in a courtroom, okay? Let's just think about that for a second. What are the things, elements, main elements in a courtroom? What's the guy that sits behind the bench? The judge. What's his job? To judge. <laughs> He's the one who is going to put the hammer down, right? Either you're free or you are guilty. Who is that in the spiritual realm? God, isn't it? You know what Jesus says? God is going to be judged. He, he, he's going to be the one who judges. It's, it's not our job, is it? So we have that. What else we do we have? We have the prosecutor. What does he do? He prosecutes, right? He's the one who 
who lays out the evidence, you know, that, that's, uh, uh, well, uh, accuses, yeah. And then you have the defense attorney, which tries to defend the one who is on. And then you have the defendant, right? And then you have the witness. And what are we? What are we? We're witnesses. Witnesses don't judge. Isn't that right? That's not our job. Sometimes we do that. I heard about a little bit of that going on this week, actually. But that's not our job. Our job is just to be witnesses. Of who? Of Jesus. That's all, that's all we do. Let me tell you, there's some pressure that is off in that. Like, I don't even have to be the one who convi- can, convicts. That's the Holy Spirit's job, right? And, and I just think that this is, this is the way that it, this works. We're just to have this power living within us and letting that power be the one who convicts. And, and that be the one who does all of the, the crazy stuff. All our job is is just to represent, just to witness. Is witnessing important in a trial? Sure it is. That's, that's what the judge bases in, you, know, his, the, you know, his judgment upon. That's, that's what the others have to use. But it's, it's super important. And what we do is super important. You know, I told you when I went to that hospital with Joe, you know, I had like no hope or anything. But I also was trying to the best I could to help you understand I had no power. Something amazing happened, and that was God. And we can either give credit to God or we can blame God for that, but that was pretty awesome. And I just think that that's where we have to understand where the real true power is. Paul realized how, how much we needed God's Spirit to be successful. And he, he tells us in 1 Corinthians 2, 3, he says, I came to you in weakness and fear, with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might rest on men's, rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. God does all the work, but we still have something to play. You know, in Romans 10, I was just looking this up right before I came up here. And Romans 10 reminded me of this. In, in 10 verse 14, it says, But then will, how will they call on him whom they have not believed? How will they do that? And how, will they, and how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Now he's talking to the witnesses. He's like, how are they going to know if somebody hasn't told them? And, and how are they going to hear unless somebody was sent to go tell them? And the reality is, is that what you do the part you play as witnesses is critical. Yet it is, not the, that, it is not us who save anybody, right? Just like in a, in a courtroom, it, the, the witnesses are a critical, pivotal part of it, but they don't carry the weight of it, and they don't make the decisions. And I just learned a big lesson like when I went up there that night, because what if I wouldn't have gone? then there would have been no one to tell. There would have been no one to witness. Hey, you know how awesome Jesus is. He can save anybody. But yet, we didn't play any part of power because we didn't do the saving. And we didn't do the convicting. Do You see, we didn't do the judging. All we did was the witnessing. 
And we just have to understand that even though we don't literally have the power to save, we still play a pivotal part in all of this. But we have to do it with the power within us, which is the Holy Spirit. Are we being witnesses for Jesus? Are you being a witness for Jesus? When I wrote that down, when I typed that, it was as if the Holy Spirit within me corrected me. Because the first thing I just typed down in the midst of writing this up is, I just put, are you being a witness? And it was as if the Holy Spirit literally was just correcting me, saying, Mike, I don't want you to say that. What I want you to say is, are you being, not are you being a witness, but are you being a witness for Jesus? Because there is a whole lot of things that you can be a witness to. And it's so true, isn't it? You can witness for your own glory. That's what you could wake up tomorrow and be more worried about when you go to school or work is being a witness for yourself and for your glory and for your rights. You know, you can, you can be a witness for Satan, not even realizing it, but you could be promoting him higher than you're promoting Jesus just because of what you say and how you behave and things like that. And then all of a sudden, it started making sense why the Holy Spirit was like wanting me to make sure I would clarify that. Like, are you being a witness for Jesus? And that's what he has called us to do. And I just, as a church, we have this opportunity to witness together. Like, he calls us together to worship together. He also calls us together to witness together. There's something powerful about our witness as we come together. Not only a witness to Jesus among each other, but also just the witness we have when we leave like-minded and when we go into this community and when we're trying to accomplish things together. And we as a church, when we wit- the things that we witness together, we either stand together on or we fall together on. Just for instance, an example would be like Friend Day. We could have this, like, idea, and really the idea is not bad. The idea is, like, good, right? Because it's, like, the whole point of Friend Day is to be a witness for Jesus together, collectively, trying to just bring our friends under this, this roof and just let them know, hey, we worship God with our lives. And, and, in, and in a very subtle way, with not too threatening, at least as least threatening as we can make it, we're just hoping that the Holy Spirit will do his part, right? And convict our friends if they need convicted, to encourage our friends if they need encouraged, but that the Holy Spirit will do something great just because of our witness. And it can be, because we actually do our part, it can be a pretty powerful thing. But if we do it together, it's powerful, but if we collectively don't do it, it really stinks. <laughs> it's like disheartening. It's like discouraging. And it wasn't that the Holy Spirit wasn't like willing to participate or willing to help. It was just like we just decided that we just didn't want to tap into this resource. You, you see what I'm saying, right? And it was a little discouraging. So like we were like, okay, let's do this over. Let's have a do-over. Guess what today is? Today is our do-over, right? Have you been inviting? Have you been witnessing? Are you coming? You see, collectively, we can do some pretty cool things. I'm really excited about it. A little nervous about it, right? Because I'm just like, how do you get everybody on board together to do something like this, to make it successful? Because we... Either we succeed together or we fall together. But here's what I do know. I do know the Holy Spirit is like willing. I disbelieve that. Do you see something like this as important? Do you see it like like a vital, important thing for the kingdom of God? Or do you just see it more like, you know, you know how it is, like, you're, you're, like TV night? What do you want to watch? I don't know. There's never anything good on. Oh, you pick. Well, 
all right, I mean, I guess, because, but, but there, nothing really, like, super important on. Is that what you can't see? In fact, maybe that's what you're thinking, like, the, the temptation will be, and I guarantee it won't be coming from Jesus, but the temptation could be like that, or even this. Like, do you want to go to Bill's, or, or would you rather stay home and watch that show? Like, you put it on that level, right? Have you ever went out to eat, and you're just like, hey, where do you want to eat? I don't know. You don't, I don't, nothing sounds good. You see, that's the way these church activities can be. They can become like where, do you want to go to that? I don't know. Who do you think will be there? You see what I'm saying? It's on the same level as like, it's, how important is it, really? What we watch, where we eat, food is food, <laughs> the shows are all the same. Because I think that what we do here as a church is more than those things. Like, more important. They have something greater at stake than that. But it all depends on your role and how you see your role. I want to take you back to the wedding yesterday. So, I had a role to play. And my role was to be the photographer. And they had a videographer, too, and he was a great guy. I really appreciated getting to know him. And his job was to, you know, do the video. My job was to take the images. And Zach asked me back when Bradley got married if I would do this. He even willing to pay me, you know, to do this. I'm excited about it. Super nervous all week, you know, about it, because that's just the way it is when I do all those things, just like, you know, thinking through my head, where would we do, where are we going to do the first look at, where are we going to do you know, his pictures and just all the details and stuff. And, and I know it's a big day, right? You know, can you recognize a big day when you see it? I can recognize a big day when I see it. I can also recognize a big role when I see it, like when I know that something is like my job and it could be like a sink or swim kind of thing. I used to really, I don't get as nervous anymore, but I used to really get nervous but I don't so much anymore. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I've participated long enough in this. But anyway, this was my role. And so we started doing this. Beautiful day, wasn't it? It was a perfect day for an outdoor wedding. They had spent weeks getting ready for this wedding. I mean, I saw that tractor moving up and down on that hill like for a long time. People coming in and out of that barn, getting it all cleaned up, getting it all ready. It was a big deal. My job is to take images. You know, the crazy, I, Andrew let me use his camera. Super excited about that. First time I got to use his new camera, right? And I, I started taking pictures. It's different than mine a little bit, but it's still the same somewhat. And I started taking pictures. I really liked it. And, uh, and so I just stuck with it most of the day. And I used mine just a little bit as an addition to crazy thing about digital cameras that you ought to know is like uh, if for some reason you don't put an SD card in them, then when you take a picture, you still get the image. Like, because there's like an internal memory that will pop up that image that you just took, or maybe a couple of them. Uh, And so when you look to see how that picture went, then it'll show you. But it doesn't store it because it doesn't have anything to store it on. You see what I'm saying? Wouldn't that be stupid if somebody forgot to put the SD card in on something like so important as a wedding? If somebody were to do that, what would you do? I mean, you can give me some advice here, all right? What would you do? Would you just, would you just blow it off and say, well, I'll do better next time? The next wedding that I'm asked to do, I'll just make sure, that'll be the thing. This is the lesson that I learned. I'll just make sure that I stick that card in there. And then just get over it. Is that what you, the advice you'd give me? some reason, it doesn't seem like very good advice, y'all. Like, like, well, you could be apologetic. Like, just really make sure that you let them know how bad you feel that you didn't do your job well. Right? And that might be a little bit better advice, but it still doesn't feel like it's going to fix the situation. Are you guys feeling bad? I'm feeling bad. 
This makes me nervous. Could you ask him to do it over? Can we just have a do-over? I mean, I know that most of the family came from Indiana, Evansville, but maybe they could pick out another date, get, you know, their schedule set, and we just come and do it over. Get the food again. You know, let's just do, pick a perfect day again, out so that because it, it's outdoors. And we'll just do over. You think that would work? Well, one time, I did forget to put my card in a camera, but it wasn't yesterday. Now, don't you feel better? I think the pictures are going to be awesome. And it's because I did put the card in the camera. And I was able to capture it all. But it made me realize that how some of us walk through life without the most critical thing that is a part of life, and that is the Holy Spirit. We just forget to put him in. We just leave him out. And we just think that we can handle it on our own. And we look at the images every once in a while and we think, yeah, this, this is going okay. I could deal with this. But at some point, you will realize that you just screwed it all up. Because you left the Holy Spirit, Spirit of God, Spirit of Jesus, out of your life. And you'll want to do over if you do this. And I'm just telling you, that'd be like trying to get that wedding back to its original form and back through it all again. It's pretty much impossible. You could just start over from that moment on. But what is it that you would leave behind in the process? Jesus knew how important it was to give every one of us the access to his presence in our lives. He knew the power that was going to be within us. And it is our job, it is our obligation to understand the role that he has asked us to play. Those disciples, he said to them, he says, wait until the Holy Spirit comes, and when that power comes, then I want you to go and be my witnesses. How important do you think that their role was when Jesus asked them to do that? I knew how important my role was when Zach came and asked me to be the photographer of that wedding. And that I needed to be prepared, that I needed to do my part. And it's the same way with you. You have to realize that he has asked you to be a part of this as well. He's given you all the power to accomplish it well. I'm just going to read a couple verses and we're going to close. In Luke chapter 12, verse 4, it says, And you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. When do you think that will be? I know some of you think it's any time. I know some of you are banking on it that it's way in the future. But we just don't know, do we? Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, it says, But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. Romans twelve eleven says, Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Know your role and do it with zeal. There's a whole lot of opportunities out there. One of them is today. And I, and I hope you come. And I hope you come with zeal. Not for me, but for Jesus. 
Because it's an opportunity, we don't have a whole lot of these, but an opportunity to work together and to really accomplish something great. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you so much for just opportunities. We thank you so much for the Holy Spirit that lives within us. Father, we know that you are the the one that counts. You are the true power. You're the one who convicts. You're the one who accomplishes everything. But you have given us a role to play. Help us, Father, to just see how important our role is. And help us do it with zeal. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, speaking of uh, listening to messages and the Holy Spirit, I'm uh, not sure how I'm going to say. I'm working on getting better at listening to the Holy Spirit here. But uh, as an example, lean up yesterday, uh, several of us went over to Matthew and Madison's, and uh, we were going to put in a privacy fence and smoke the meat and everything. And we got the meat smoked. Uh, so, you know, the important things that are done for today, but um, leading up to it, I was going to bring an auger and uh, so we could dig all these post holes. And I, I, leading up to it, uh, at work, our skid loader that has the auger has been broke down for a few weeks, and uh, so I thought, I was like, well, you know, ask Dad if I could borrow you know, one, of the, one of the grandpa's old tractors and the old auger, and I have memories of the augers, and they, it wasn't that bad of an experience, you know, the old equipment and stuff. It worked fine, but uh, apparently it was more glamorous in memory, because I was all excited about, you know, getting them and everything, and I went went and got the tractor loaded up ahead of time a couple days ago, and then just, like, Thursday, we got the skid loader fixed at work, and, you know, my boss said, you know, I could use whatever equipment I need and everything, and after that, I, I told my wife that night, I was like, man, I almost feel like it, I should go take the tractor back and use the skid loader, you know, and I just, I, I don't know why I felt that way. I don't know if that was the Holy Spirit or not. That's why I'm working on listening to messages better. But, I, yeah, this whole time, I, was, I even said something to Cole about it Friday. I was like, I don't know about using this tractor. It'd be, the skid loader would be better and so much easier. And, but in my head, I was like, no, it'll be, it'll be fun to use the tractor. I kind of want to you know, go back to the old days. And uh, so we show up, you know, we get the meat smoking and everything, and we we get around to go, and the very first hole, I'm like a foot and a half away from the hole, and I, I crank the wheels, and the whole steering, like, pops off the tractor and falls apart a foot and a half from this hole. And so we spent, luckily, fortunately, you know, I had Matthew and Andrew and Landon got me all fixed up, but it took us... Most of the day, we got this tractor put back together, and we're like, all right, we can go now. It's, you know, still working on listening to messages. So I get backed up to the hole and start letting the auger down, and there's no down pressure if you've never used a three-point hitch auger on a tractor. And so we're over there kind of along a tree line, and it's just spinning on top of the ground. And we pull it up, and there's a root in the very first hole. There's a root in the way. So they start to get on that one, and I scoot down to start on the next hole, and more roots. And so I can't get the auger to push down. And, you know, we're like, oh, what do we want to do? Do we just give up? And, well, let's go to the other side of the yard where there's no trees. And we got, got a hole dug. And in my mind, it didn't go very well, but it's probably about as good as the tractor auger is. And uh, we got that one dug. And I felt like, okay, you know, we can, maybe things are going all right. You know, I could go back and try again along the tree line side. And, uh, I went, and Andrew and I went back over there and instantly sheared a pin that, like, turns the PTO, the, the auger from the PTO to the tractor. So then the PTO spin in, but the auger won't spin in now. So at that point, I finally realized maybe I was getting a message, and we put the tractor back on the trailer while it was still running. And uh, not to mention, every time you shut the tractor off, you had to jump it because the battery was dead or something. I don't know I've, what I was doing. But 
yeah, so a few times we were in some precarious spots trying to jump this tractor. And those messages, and see, uh, yeah, I, I felt ever since I had the tractor loaded, I, I felt that this wasn't a good idea the whole time. I knew, and I feel like the Holy Spirit was trying to tell me, don't, don't use this, you know, you, you know, you've got this skid loader at work that you can use, and uh, but I didn't listen. So that's a negative side of not listening for you. Um, uh, no, not, not really any harm done other than Matthew and Madison don't still have a privacy fence. And uh, we did get the meat smoked. Also, no thanks to my smoker. We had to finish on other people's. But anyhow, won't get into that. Uh, so about tuning out our Holy Spirit... Um, usually doesn't go well. And I'd like to, Mike kind of touched a little on um, what we talked about last week in John fourteen twenty six, when it says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all the things and bring you remembrance that all that I have said to you. And, uh, you know, Jesus made a big deal about how important it was going away so that this Holy Spirit could come and give us uh give us these messages and things uh, to tell, tell people, to witness to those. And when we tune him out is typically when things go pretty awry. Not that it's always going to go the way we think it does, but that doesn't mean it's wrong. And so as we come to this time of communion where Jesus uh, made the sacrifice for our sins and uh, let's uh, meditate on on our communication with the Holy Spirit and in, in being in tune with him. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day uh, that we uh, could come and for um, just this challenge that we have to, to be in tune with the Spirit and listening to you, God. And uh, just speak to us. Some of us speak louder than others, please. And uh, help us to be fully... Uh, looking for these opportunities that you place before us and recognizing them when we see them, Lord, and just uh, following through and listening to them as, uh, as they come. In Jesus' name, amen.